Hello and welcome to another episode of the TK Podcast. I'm your host Alex and today I am joined by my co-host Jeremy Hazeman. Our topic of interest that we are going to be talking about is identity covering and service acting in the workplace. We will be explaining what the terms mean, how to approach situations involving these terms and how businesses can eliminate them in the right way. On this podcast, I'm joined by Roland Karangdang, the Managing Director at Protivity and Stanley Menta-Brown, Account Manager at Software One. With two individuals with a wide breadth of experience in the industry, their insight will be unmeasurable. So wherever you are, grab a pen and a notebook and enjoy the TK podcast. Thank you and welcome guys to another insert of the TK podcast. I am your host, Alex, and I am joined by Jez on this call. Hi, Jeremy, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much, Alex, uh, and welcome everyone. Uh, I'm Jez Hazeman. Uh, I am part of the T-Care group working for Protivity. Uh, really, uh, and I'll be another one of your hosts today. Um, I'd also like to in- introduce our two uh, uh, panellists today, uh, both Stanley uh, Mensa-Brown and Roland Carandang. Guys, do you want to introduce yourself? Roland, do you want to kick off? Sure. Thanks, Jez, and thanks, Alice. Great seeing you guys again. So, Roland Carandang, I'm a Managing Director at Protivity, and I lead our technology consulting business. Stanley? Sure. Yeah. Thank you, Roland. And I'm Stanley Mensa-Brown, uh, an account manager at uh, Software One. Brilliant. And today's um, topic that we're focusing on is identity covering in the workplace. Um, for me, this is a particular episode that I'm quite excited about because I've always, from my personal perspective, I've always felt like when you come into a new business, you can't always wholly be yourself. There's always an element of yourself that you need to sort of hold back. Um, and sometimes that might be for more, a magnitude of reasons. For example, when you go into a new business, you're you're put on probation, right? And you, you may feel that if you don't fit with the culture that's within there, um, that you're not going to be kept on thereafter, no matter performance or whatever other good work you've done outside of that. Um, so... To start off, um, I wanted to pose a question to both of you and ask what what do you understand to be surface acting um, in your perspective, and 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 just give a little bit of insight to maybe when you've you, you've seen that demonstrated from yourself or, or peers. Roland, would you like to take that one? Sure. Um, it's not something. I mean, I was more comfortable with the identity covering. Piece, I haven't really sorry, I, sorry. My apologies. I meant oh, um, identity covering. So identity covering. I, I can, I can, I can oh, touch on. So I can touch on. Um, I guess um, service acting, but which is, I guess, my understanding of it, which is where you may be feeling a particular way um, about something and emotionally feeling one way, but what you then kind of just portray, I guess, physically is another. So, for example, you may not be feeling great, might be feeling, you might be even feeling a little bit sad, but to the worst rest of the world you're smiling you're happy and you're getting on with it and it's that i guess energy that you're kind of putting towards i guess this mask this untrue mask as opposed to maybe expressing how you really feel about something and i think for me it's a um um a double-edged sword in, in terms of where you might you might see in the workplace and things such as that in that there are elements whereby there are sometimes that you can end up putting more energy into to doing that and um, 
that I think is draining over time, which can then affect the performance later on. Um, but at the same time, I think there's an element of that which kind of happens within the workplace anyway, for example, whereby, you know, if you're, it could be something really small as if you're working in a team, for example, and you're trying to generate ideas and someone comes up with an idea that you may not necessarily agree with, you know, rather than kind of turning around and telling them that's a, you know, that's a terrible idea and shutting him down. Um, you may kind of take the approach that, okay, it's not maybe what I was thinking or it's a little bit out of the box, but yeah, you know, keep it coming kind of thing. And you might do that to one, you, you don't want to get across that you maybe you thought it was a bad idea, this and the other, because that might affect somebody else's confidence in maybe generating ideas or answering as, a, as such. But, um, but at the same time, for example, you don't, you know, the next answer that they come with might actually be what you're looking for or actually might spark somebody else's thinking or way of thinking or what you might have originally gone in there looking for. You might get an answer for which is completely outside the box, but again, it's even better than maybe the answer you were looking for. So and I think that's a, a way in which in, in the workplace, it might actually be quite useful to be able to almost feel a certain way about something, but not necessarily expressing that physically if that if that makes sense um yeah that makes sense yeah yeah it does make sense i'd I'd be interested in roland's perspective on that yeah i think um thank you for that stanley i I can relate to that a little bit more now i think it was probably a few months into isolation um, during COVID, where we all start to see each other a lot more on screen and I had clocked in one of our meetings and, and somebody had mentioned to me afterwards, you know, um, this person just asked me why I wasn't smiling. And it was uh, something that when it was made, when I was made aware of it, I noticed it was something that was said far more frequently to our female colleagues. And, um, and after, and I, again, I was connected enough with her um, when she said to me, why do I always have to be happy? <laughs> Um, why doesn't anybody ever ask the men why they're not smiling? Uh, which would be a real issue for me because I'm, I'm normally not smiling, even though I'm normally delighted <laughs> with what I'm doing. Um, so that, that felt to me like a moment where, again, without having the taxonomy around it, it felt like we were, we were forcing people in a way to, um, what do we call the term again? Identity cover to surface act. So yeah. that, that to me feels um, like one end of the spectrum. And then identity covering from, to me feels, I don't know, maybe even worse. I think I, and I know we've spoken about this before guys, but I, I have felt on the outside of groups, including leadership. And again, it, it took someone else telling me this to recognize because they said, well, on, on one hand, a woman had told me that you'd notice if you're the only man in a room. And it happened to me very quickly, multiple times after that. And so that's what we deal with every day. Um, but in a less obvious um, situation, which was happening to me repeatedly, um, I just was obviously on the outside of the, the banter to start off meetings with. And it seemed harmless at the time. I just let it go until the meeting actually started. But the first time you speak in that meeting, you feel like you have to have something solid to contribute. Like you're afraid to say the wrong thing because you're already coming in from the outside. And, and that's, that's not really identity covering. That's just the step. I think that's a step beneath that or a step before that, where 
I'm not covering anything, but I still feel really outside. So I guess when I was thinking about identity covering ahead of this call, it felt to me to be really bad um, because in that case, I wasn't actively doing anything to get inside or not be outside. Um, I just felt it. But in the case of somebody actually actively covering who they are, um, that to me felt very serious and right. sad. And I, this is this is a really big point, really. You as a leader, you know, you're you've you've come in, you, you've been whatever's happened, you've been promoted. You're now a leader of the organisation. You know, how as a leader did you deal with like feeling that you're on the outside? So, well, I mean, with any leadership role and with any role, there's a way that you need to get things to land, I guess, right? Um, and that's not necessarily a, an inclusion thing. It's just a way of just you yeah. know, tactfully getting things done. Um, I did have conversations with people um, in, the, in, in the team that I trust. And again, it's not as though I didn't trust people in, in the team. It's just they, they're on an inside group. It's not their, their fault for that. Um, but I, I think, Jez, I've only really felt um, a difference as that group has broadened. Right. Um, and that was a very intentional um, decision and, and behavior that we've taken. And, um, and from there, um, it's just been, well, I wouldn't say I feel more inside. It's just been more diluted in a way. In, interesting point for both of you. So do you think that identity covering is more prevalent if you come from uh, uh, an underrepresented background? I'm only hesitating because it feels like a slightly leading question. I think it... <laughs> so I've heard some really bad stories, right? Um, yeah. So we have somebody in, in our group here, not in this group, but who has been, who's told me that before he went into a meeting, he was said, you know, don't tell them you're gay. Like that's um, probably the most serious example I've heard. And the same person telling me that he'd be afraid to bring somebody to a work event, um, his partner, because he didn't want to be just out, outwardly um, gay Yeah. in this case. I, I do think because we're now talking about this a lot more, um, there is a, there's a danger that people who have not traditionally, or people who are not in more marginalized groups to start to identity cover because they feel like they don't want to be seen as on the inside. Um, so it's something that we just need to think about a little bit because we, we equally don't want them feeling unsafe in the workplace. And I think on, on that, I think my, my take on that is, you know, going into an environment where you're potentially from an upper um, uh, underrepresented um, group. Um, I think there is a, an element where you you feel as though when you kind of walk into this that you know you are kind of like a a, a type of model like and they will there will there will always be people who will have their kind of own ideas and, and, and assumptions um, yeah. about you before you've even opened up. Uh, and so when you do you've you've almost got to feel, feel as though that you are the best of the best and as part of that is also making sure you fit in, you know, whether that includes dialing down who you naturally are a bit to be one of them, to, to you know, to be part of uh, everyone around you, or even sometimes even maybe trying to, if, for example, if you're say an introvert, trying to act more like an extrovert to kind of fit in with, 
the rest of the team um, around you in, in that respect. And, and I think it's that's it's, and I think when you're from an underrepresented uh, an underrepresented group, I think the urge to fit in to be you know one like everybody else, but also this other side to it where you feel as though you know you're kind of on show modeling that people will uh, you're almost representing more than just yourself. Um, yeah. I think that's another element which I think in, encourage well not necessarily encourages you, but yeah, easily leads you down the road of um, um, identity covering. I mean, that, that, that's interesting. I mean, I, I think for me, this is a, a, a new subject. I'm, I'm relatively new to this subject. So I'm, I'm really interested also. On, have you got any examples where you've actually had to, uh, to do this? Where you, is there anything that you can, you can remember actually where I've had to employ identity covering in a certain situation where you felt you've had, you, you just feel like, as you've said to them, you've, you, you want to fit in, you want to make sure that you, you, you're not being your authentic self. And, and I think, you know, I think I am part of, I think I'm part of possibly like a, a generation where there is less of that and more of a focus on diversity. And so actually mm -hmm. when you do move into, when you go into the workspace, I think unlike before, I think more so now you are probably more likely to find, um, and, and this is not necessarily based on even race, but just people who are, Either from your same sort of sort of social back your your background, whether that be from socially or things that you're into, I think you're or even just even age group that you're kind of all about in that comes about the same kind of culture almost. Um, so I, I think for me, it's where that's kind of I've probably seen it most is when I'm when I've been in a new space when newly joining an organisation and I, and touched on it earlier whereby you know you are uh, potentially on probation um and you know you've got to make sure that you fit in and it's you know because someone like me personality wise i'm i am someone who's quite smiley positive love to laugh and joke and quite loud you know the african in me you know you know the more excitable i get the louder and louder i get right and that's that's part of me that's part of my character and that's that's expressing who i am um but when you join a new organization, you don't understand the, the, the culture yet. You know, you don't, you're yeah. not too sure what you're kind of, what kind of space you're in. And so, you know, whereas me who likes to have, you know, a laugh and joke, when I first join, I'm thinking, okay, let me get the lay of the land first. Cause you know, I don't want to come across as just some joker, right? You know, you know, I've barely, yeah. you know, started, you know, my job and this, that, and the other, and I don't want to get the reputation here that I, you know, I'm not someone who's a serious guy, that I'm not someone here who's, you know, here to, to, you know, to do their job well, you know, so there is an element whereby you've got to uh, try and get the lay of the land, figure out where you are before then, if once feeling that you're potentially in a comfortable workspace and environment before then you can kind of start to show them more and more um, and, and be your authentic self. Do you, do you think that that part where you say getting the lay of the mm -hmm. land, it, what, like, what does that entail? Cause when I hear hear what you're saying, I'm thinking I get into a new business and I go, okay, what's the culture? What are my team? Like, what's my manager? Like what, 
what are the areas for let's say we've got a listener who's who's just started a new role what are the areas that um typically people tend to analyze and think oh i might have to hold my personality or hold my identity back in order to succeed that's a question for for the room really i, I can give an example of this and just reflecting on jazz's question i don't know if i have normally done this myself but i do recall a situation whereby i just spoken to one of my practice leads um he's bame and he said to me i just had a great interview um the thing is this person was very urban um, he, and you could tell he was uncomfortable about how to describe it and it was an interesting conversation be, because he said you know my name is not obviously ethnic so when this person joined the interviewer on screen, he said, oh, my God, you're black. <laughs> and he immediately let his guard down and was so comfortable in the conversation. He said, this person is fantastic. Um, there's no question in my mind that he can do a great job. Um, but I don't know how clients are going to react because he's very different from what we normally see. And I, I think probably because of the... Well, there is more attention to this now. Increasingly, organizations have the will... Um, to remove the invisibility of, of race in the workplace. Um, but also just because we're in such a hot job market um, for technology-oriented technology talent that um, what I said was, well, there are a few people who can do this job today. So if, if it means we just need to have a conversation with some clients about who, we, um, who we're bringing on here and how they're fantastic at what they do, but they might be a little bit different, um, is a, it's a good time to have that conversation. Um, and this person has since joined is doing fantastically well. But it was one of these situations where it was um, it was obviously a little bit uncomfortable for us, um, even as people who are actively in this space. Um, and it, it did make me um, just reflect on how it must be for someone to just feel that comfortable, um, because you could tell that in everyday situations he was not. Um, and 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 how did you? help that person or that individual become more comfortable in the workplace was there some some sort of um initiative that was set up before he joined so that he or she or they um, may feel comfortable what, what what were the what what was done so i think there is a there probably is a structural thing um, and then there's just more of a a personal one um, we have um pro culture is our eng um interpretivity um, to cover off um, ethnic minority interests. Um, so that was something that we had spoken about during the interview process and something that this person has latched onto since he's arrived. And that's been a great contribution to the overall um, office that we have here. Um, I think personally, though, it's interesting because, again, with all the structure in the world, if you're not connected with your people, they're not going to be open with you. And this has... I guess you could call it upside risk on things like innovation and improving the business. Um, but there's also just some big downside risk to manage because the work that we do is really hard. And if these, these people don't feel comfortable, if your people don't feel comfortable coming to you and telling you that a project is going sideways, then you're really putting a lot of risk into your own and your clients' organizations. Um, so I think on the personal side of it, it is just spending more time with our people, um, sharing more, opening up a little bit personally first. Um, so these people just, your people just gradually get more comfortable with you overall. 
um, and can raise topics like this as well as just your, your normal day-to-day -day concerns. That's interesting, Roland, because I think, you know, as a leader, you know, how do you approach, you've, you've given some examples there around trying to take away the, uh, you, you know, the authentic, or being more authentic, how do you drive that culture? How, how is it, how do you, on a day-to-day -day basis, try and really kind of engage so you're getting the authentic person? So I do a few things. I mean, first, I just try to do that myself. Um, and it's, it's an interesting thing because you want to balance off people's time and how many things you're, you're putting on them, right? So for example, I will, I like people just to know that I'm around. So I'll just join people's standups, for example, because across our practices, people have their, um, their regular touch points or their standups. So I like to, to just join those so I can just see a lot of people at once um, and just share a little bit of perspective on, on where we're at as a business, where I'm at personally. Um, it's a little bit contrived now, but I do a lot more one-to-ones um, than I ever have, um, just because you're not going to have the one-off uh, impromptu conversation that you'll have in the office. Um, and a lot of it is just, I think, getting past the, the old, we used to say, leave it at the, the door, right? Or in terms of your personal life and your professional life, I just don't believe, well, that might not have ever been a valid way of well, it's just not something that feels very relevant today. Um, we're we're hyper-connected and, and people have a lot of personal context they bring into the workplace and vice versa. Um, so acknowledging that, it's just also sharing your own experience with that balance. And do you think this is a generational thing as well, Roland? Do you think this, you know, covering identity covering has, has changed over the over the years? Do you think it's it's not, it's not as pronounced now as it used to be or or do you do you still think that the workplace you, you there is an, an element of people having to identity come i think it certainly was i mean it's easy to say because if you look historically even the way that we um in the consulting business there's a, a uniform that we had for many years which is just a suit and tie which is a, a male uniform yeah right so it's, it's kind of easy to say it's it's it was worse before, um, because if you weren't in that uniform, then you couldn't do it. And if you weren't a man, then it'd be very hard. Um, I feel like it probably is getting, well, it's, it's, it's discussed certainly more. As Stanley and I have both mentioned, this was a, a new topic, although just doing some prep, it was something that was, I think, started becoming more prevalent in maybe 2015. Um, I do think, again, particularly in the technology space, which we are more oriented on, it's becoming, we, we probably have a good opportunity now because talent is so limited um, that we need to start just pushing a little bit more um, for people to, to come in as they are, um, helping clients who are less inclined understand that this is the world that we live in. Yeah. And in order to get the best results for, for all of us, we, we need to accept that and allow people to feel secure in their day to day. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, it's 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 just really, for me, I feel like on the on the basic sides of it, it's it's just understanding who you're hiring and who that human being is and where they come from, and just understanding how they're 
going to fit into the culture or how you adapt the culture to fit to that person um, because your culture is always going to be forever evolving there's always going to be people coming from different parts of the globe um, identify with different communities and they're going to bring that energy into the business and um, I think it's great that we're now having these conversations about it and bringing it more to light because it, I don't think it's something that's been there before um, but I, I, I do appreciate and I'm aware that we've got a lot of work that needs to be done in that space um, something that I thought might be interesting to our listeners which I'd, I'd, I'd jotted down was um about about personal journeys because Stan I've obviously I've I work with you and I know you've been at software one for for a period of time um with that have you ever seen people change over a period of time where they might have adopted that identity covering early on and then as their career has continued and they've started to know a little bit more about the business and people and stuff like that where they've started to let that go um because because i think that that'd be quite interesting for for a lot of people to hear that even if you do adopt it early on you can pull away from that and come back to your you what you say or what you identify to be yourself yeah and i I think i think i think i have have seen it and and i think there is an element where um, I, I've seen as well. Um, I, well, I, I guess I, I, I'll speak on myself. Where you know I, I came in, I think when I came into the business, you know, very confident, you know, in myself, you know, my my abilities, um, but also you know knew I had this personality. But I myself personally, I did initially um dial it down a bit dial it down a bit until i felt you know i kind of you know created this you know a reputation as somebody who you know who showed to be like a who looking like you know a good prospect for the business who who like he had something about him you know who had um uh and obviously this isn't obviously beat after getting feedback such as this um you know as someone who was um kind of pipped to be like you know going to do good things uh, within the business before then I started you know letting I think more and more people see the other side to me which is this not just all about business but more about um pos- just just positive having a laugh being able to speak to everyone you know I'll, I'll, I'll speak to everyone in in in, in, the, in the business and, and I and I kind of take pride in that because I know when I first joined the organization there were people who went out of their way to get to know me um and i think that in terms of getting settled in into an organization and like i mentioned earlier getting an understanding of the lay of the land or the kind of people or even being invited to, you know to after work drinks and things such as that you know that i think goes a huge way in enabling you to kind of feel comfortable getting to see looking around and seeing how everyone are able to be there and encouraging you to be your authentic self that um i think that that really helps and and i think uh there were a lot of there were you know i think when, when i first joined people who yeah like i said wanted wanted to see me succeed um and and, and i could and i could really build that from people um um and 
there were uh, and, and and I and I will always remember those people but I do also think there were a couple of times where there were some people who were you know just they weren't they weren't sure about me and and I think that's kind of where it made it a little bit more difficult to fully feel like initially that I could show them who exactly who I was and what I was about and um had to offer um so I, I do think that I think that change has happened in me because uh, uh, at Software One, where I, I've been there for some time now, I know like lots of people within the business. You know, I've had people who I've at times seen as as mentors in the organisation who've been there for me and who've been supporting me since day one, um, and that's helped me to get grounded, feel comfortable about who I am myself, and. Um, yeah, divert all my attention to the work to succeed, as opposed to, yeah, trying to to fit in or be one that all purposely trying to dial myself down um, in the working environment. So, I'm, so go on, Jamie. I'm just gonna just follow that. I was gonna so 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 from an if you think about the over 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 represented community within in the, in the technology space, what 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 can they do? What can they do to help eliminate things like identity covering? Or you, you mentioned yeah. some things there, Stanley. Is there any what what other things can the overrepresented community actually I I, I do or put yeah, in place? Yeah, and you know, it, it's I think for me it would sound really basic, but it's simply as just just genuinely being open and trying to get to know people and going and and getting to know someone and doing so without any sort of judgment, you know, really trying to be open, honest, without any judgment, getting to know someone and making them feel comfortable in discussion. You know, you've got to, I think, have an understanding that you're not going to meet everyone in this world that's going to necessarily have the same views as yourself. But as long as there's that kind of mutual respect for each other um, with that, um, and you, you, yeah, you know, someone may not feel they'll be chastised for whether it, it is a, a belief in something or from, you know, I don't know where they grew up or came from or, or whatnot, you know, just that kind of real basic level of no judgment, you know, really actually trying to get to know somebody and who they are, as opposed to coming into, uh, you know, a, a conversation or with, you know, predetermined ideas as to what this person might be almost, um, it, it sounds kind of really basic, but that makes a real difference. And actually being proactive mm-hmm. with it, you know, understand that when someone joins the business new, it's so much harder for them to approach you to start a conversation than it is for you who's been existing at the business to go up to them and just yeah. say hello. You know, it's uh, it's just mm-hmm. those small things such as that, which I think if everybody in an organization can do that and kind of build that culture, um, of doing that, I think that it, it sounds really basic and really small, but it can make a real difference, especially when someone is joining new fresh race and is trying to get that lay of the land and an understanding of, of, of the uh, the culture of the business. I can just build on that a bit, Stanley. I think um, for me, I might summarize, well, one angle on this is giving people the space, but also arming them for that space. So I remember having a client conversation. It's, it's one of these ones that came in very short notice. I uh, brought in one of my experts with me. Um, she's fantastic. And we only had half an hour. We all know what it's like. Things are just a little bit too rapid fire these days. 
But at the end of the call, I got really embarrassed, almost ashamed because the client said, oh, you've brought your colleague with us and she hasn't said a word the whole meeting. Um, why don't we get her perspective on this? And I, I, again, I mentioned it's something that was really, it really just brought things to light for me in a big way. Um, and part of it was here we have somebody putting me on notice, a client in this case, which is something to your question, Jazz, that we can all do. And it was, it was still tactful um, because I, I don't think he thought, I think we all need to just give people the benefit of the doubt, which he did for me in that case. It wasn't like I was trying to exclude her. We just didn't do enough prep, to be honest, um, in order to not just give her the space, which I sort of did, but also arm her for that. Um, so on the arming side of things, it's also, it's going to sound silly, but just prepping for situations like that. This is what the meeting is about. This is what I'm bringing you into for, which is a very specific thing that I couldn't cover. Um, what are some things that you might want to flag in this? Or where would you like me to defer to you? What, what would you like for me not to defer to you for? Um, because there's still a level of um, hierarchy in the meeting as well. And I wouldn't want her to feel uncomfortable um, if I were to give her a question that she couldn't answer. So, and that's another one of these situations where we're not only doing the right thing for our people, um, but it's in the same direction as our, our business. It's gonna help our business as well because we're just prepping better to get the most out of that, that call. Um, so I think, again, just summarizing would be, again, giving people the space, but arming, for them, arming them for that as well. So, sorry, go on, Jeremy. No, I was just, I was gonna say, it's interesting from, from your perspective, uh, Roland, because I know you've worked not only in the UK, you've worked in the US and you've worked in Australia. And when it comes to other your experiences in other geographies, how, how's that been for you from an, an identity covering perspective? <laughs> That's an interesting question, as I hadn't thought about because um, I don't think it was something I was doing. I wouldn't go as far as saying it was proactive identity covering, but anybody who's worked with me over the last 16 years will, will tell you that I had a very bad Australian accent at one point and a very bad English accent in the not too recent history. Um, what a great name. And I, I don't think it was, again, I don't, it wasn't something I was doing intentionally. I certainly wasn't um, doing it to mock anybody. It was just something that made me feel a little bit more local. Um, the other thing I would add is we can't look at this in, in isolation, right? And in, in earlier on in your career, yeah. And again, I don't know the research on this, but I know from my own experience, we would have, you're more likely to have experienced uh, imposter syndrome, right? Because we're sort of just getting to a point where, you know, initially we feel like we are maybe a little bit stronger than we actually are or, or more skilled than we actually are. And then we fall into these depths of, actually, I'm not near um, as smart as I need to be. So that's happening early on as well while you're building the social capital that Stanley mentioned, um, not just in your organization, but just in your your career. Um, so that those two things combined can be very hard for somebody to work through. Uh, so I think in my case, I, I probably felt it a little bit, which is probably why I was subconsciously trying to fit in a little bit more. Um, but I have noticed uh, more recently where I've just started feeling much more comfortable. And that's where I think you can hear my, my, my New Jersey accent just coming out a little bit more. <laughs> um, so it's a sign of comfort, I think. I've I've got a um I've got a question that I'd like to ask, which involves going back in time really to sort of your first both of your first days coming into the industry. 
Um, if you could give a message to that person around identity covering um, and, and how to approach it, what what would be that message? What what do you think would be important for them to hear and for them to understand? And it, it doesn't have to be just be yourself. It could be something bigger than that. It could be, okay, I understand this is quite difficult. And you've mentioned, Roland, about imposter syndrome. They're probably going through that phase as well. Um, I'd just be keen to hear hear what your views are on, on that from, from the both of you. Hmm. Good question. Um... I think for for me it's 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 kind of twofold. It's one backing your ability, um, um, and also two, you know, it's not to be afraid to break the mold as well. Um, I think those two, if you can stick to that, you back yourself. You know, you can do the job. You know, you're. You know that you're you're smart enough to do it, or you've you've got your wits about yourself, and you can do it. Um, and you maybe come with a quirky personality or or, or whatnot that that the, the two take care of each other. Um, and that yeah, and so I would definitely say yeah, back your ability and don't be afraid to to, to personality-wise be different. Um, and have actually used that as a strength to to separate you separate you from from the rest of the crowd and um at times you know because you, you sometimes fear that by not being same as everybody else that that might um have a negative effect but I think especially for me the sales environment you know i think the majority of my customers enjoy working with me in time with me it's never something that's a boring experience i i, I hope anyway <laughs> But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's having that confidence that you, you can do the job. You know you can do the job. But uh, and um, having faith in, in you and, and what you're about. I like the way that you pose the question, Alex. Because again, in a conversation like this, on the surface, it's easy to say, "Just be yourself." Um, but the reality is very different. It's hard. I love what you said there, Stanley. About you know, don't be afraid to be afraid. Um, there are other there are going to be other big situations where you're going to be thinking about how you act the first time you meet your partner's parents for example or family um you want to be yourself right because you want them to accept who you are but you're definitely going to be thinking yeah. about minding your p's and q's so i think for me i'd, I'd yeah I'd, I'd want them to be resilient um, i'd want them to expect situations like this to happen where you're going to be questioning how much of yourself you should bring to a situation and and tell them it's okay if you if you go in and you're not 100 percent yourself it's a, it's a hard balance um but to also just be brave and, and know that you'll have another opportunity um, to maybe do things a little bit differently maybe in the same situation with different people just further down the line um so i i wouldn't want them to feel that they couldn't get it wrong that's a good chat actually yeah that's all like the pressure of failure at times can be crippling, but like you said, you'll get another opportunity uh, to go again. You know, it's it's not the be all and end all. And again, yeah, it's it's that, yeah, yeah. And again, back to we touched on, don't be afraid to be afraid. Yeah, that's I like that. Yeah, I think skills yeah. shine through. We're looking for other. That's 
again, particularly now, and we're all feeling the emergence, I guess, of the more sophisticated buyers and customers and, and people looking for outcomes and the war for talent, all these things happening at the same time. It's a great time to be very good at what you do. Um, so whilst you might not be able to couple that with being yourself 100% every single time, um, once you can show people who you are, it becomes a lot easier. Um, so I think I would also just encourage them to develop their, their skills, know what's valuable for them in the market, um, and just be patient with themselves as they work through the journey. So I wanted to sort of add the next part to that, which is let's take your first day and make it present day because we're coming out of a pandemic and we're going to have this new setup where people are coming into the office twice a day. You're not really going to have as much face time with people. And going back to, I believe, Stan, you said it um, about being in the workplace and people coming to you and introducing themselves, that element is going to be taken away. How how can you equip someone who's, who's starting in the modern day now to be successful and not have to feel like they have to go into this mold of the business that they perceive it to be every time they jump on a Zoom call with, with somebody new and instead they actually can express themselves? How, how, how do you think we could combat that? That's I know a that's a tough, tough question. question. Yeah, because um, yeah, I think we, I think we're all still kind of figuring out this this new way of working, right? Uh, with this, I think the majority now of, of hybrid working now is, is as it's being, I think termed is, I think it's here to stay. Um, and with that means, you know, you're, you're meeting people more more so now than ever before virtually. And how do you? Yeah, I, it's difficult because I think, yeah, I, I, it's, it's difficult for me to answer because I've always said I'm better in person than I am, say, over the phone and or even over something such as this, because, you know, I'm I'm someone who kind of expresses themselves with just my whole yeah. body. And, and I'm, I'm sure there'll be lots yeah. of people who are in that same boat. So how do you get that? Um, across it's it's quite a difficult question to answer so yeah let, let's see if I, i'll pass on to roll and see if i can buy myself some time <laughs> yeah i think there's a again there probably is a combination of just your personal behavior and role modeling as well as the structural side of things so i think it is really vital for us to as as leaders in particular to show a level of vulnerability um you know you, if you're in an organization where you're always talking about how you just smashed through the quarter um, and always showcasing the very strong highlights of each period. Um, you can't then ask for or expect for people to come and say that they've done something wrong or that something is going sideways or that they're feeling bad personally. Um, you can put all the check-ins you want with them. If you aren't role modeling that yourself, then you can't expect people to do that. It's just too hard in the way Stanley mentioned before, particularly with them being on the I'm going to say the, the weaker side or the newer side of the equation. Um, and then structurally giving people um, the space for it. One thing that I love, love that we've done in the last probably last five years is just giving people, new, new joiners, an opportunity to introduce themselves. But it's not just the, the professional background. It's pictures of people's families and what they've done. And just showing people that we care about that and we're giving people um, some time to talk through that just shows that we 
and we do value it. So again, it's a small thing, but structurally, that's there. Um, and then through the ENGs that we have, again, structurally, I think it's important that we're giving them the time. And again, making sure that we use that time well um, to help people discuss these topics more. Because again, the first thing is going to be the will to cover this, and we can work on the skill collectively later on. I think, obviously, for the technology community for racial equality, obviously, we're focused on the technology industry. What, what, what more can the technology industry do to, 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 to eliminate things like identity coverings? What, what else can we do? What else can leaders do? What else can organizations do? Well, one thing is just being more visible. Um, I think one thing that we've all acknowledged, and I've definitely been saying a lot more in the last couple of years, is you can't be what you can't see. Um, so if, if people are identity covering because they don't see themselves in those roles, yeah, then shame on us for not making ourselves more visible in those roles uh, because they would be less inclined to cover themselves if they knew it was there. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's one thing. That's, that's a good point on. too. And uh, I think even from a very, I mean, from a very basic point and, and, and touching on that, you know, if you're, you're new into the organization and you have aspirations of, you know, moving up into management or leadership and you look up the hierarchy and you don't see anybody that looks like you, you know, already there, that's then, you know, it, you know I think that in itself is, 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 is something which is, is quite telling that maybe that the organization isn't doing um, enough or proactively doing something to, to address that, you know, um, and, and I think you, I think, as long as things like that is that if that's the case, you will get people who feel that okay to potentially be in those roles. That means I have to be more like the people I see up there, you know, um, as opposed to someone who is, you know, like myself. That's a really interesting point, and I think one of the conversations I had recently with another organisation—it's a, a small to medium business—was they they actually put pictures of underrepresented communities on their website and that led to individuals from underrepresented communities contacting them about roles and jobs just that simple thing i saw myself on that website was would uh, enable me to, to to apply for the role that you've got on your website that, that gave me the confidence to do that uh, it's also in the name you mentioned the technology community um few Many single organizations won't be able to show that visibility themselves. Mm. Um, but as a community, um, we ought to be able to do better. Um, so I think by being visible across the community that we have here as part of T-Care and more generally with the clients in the community and the ecosystems that we work in, it's only going to help people see um, that there is that space for us yeah. in these roles. Yeah. I think uh, this is <clears throat> this is um I've, I've really I've really enjoyed where this conversation has been going it's um I think there's a lot of there's a lot of takeaways that you can you can jot down regardless of if you're a senior leader someone who's not quite into the industry yet or someone who's who, who's been in it for for a while um I think this is a it's, it's a very big topic and there's many elements to it um that that I'd I'd want us to want us to address upon in the future potentially. For example, Roland, you mentioned about role models um, previously, um, and I'd be keen to hear how sort of role models and mentors can play a part in that 
identity um, covering aspect. For for example, when I came into Software One, um, the role that I was put into meant that I was set up with a senior account manager, and that really helped me get used to the company culture. And also, I was quite fortunate that that person allowed me to express myself, make those mistakes, and have that safe space to get comfortable enough to think, okay, you know what, I can really excel in, in, in the position that I'm in. Um, but um, unfortunately for today, I think that's, that's, that's all we've got, we've got time for. Um, so first and foremost, thank you, Roland and Stanley. I think your insights have been outstanding and it, it, it's been great to, to have you guys on the pod. Um, for, for those listening, please, Follow us on all the socials. Give this session a like as well. Um, Spotify, YouTube, whatever medium you're listening to. Um, please give us a support because we do want to get the message out to as many people as possible. Um, also, thank you, Jeremy, as well um, as the co-host on this this podcast. It's been it's been a great conversation, and 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 I I for one um, are really really happy that listeners have been able to be a part of this and yeah and then really taking what what's been shared and and hopefully they can speak to their peers and say hey look i've learned about this term that i hadn't learned of before um and and we can really start a dialogue not just within our industry but but beyond that as well um jeremy was there anything you wanted to add before no before i mean sign off no it's just been yeah i think you've covered it um Alex, to be honest with you, I just want to thank Stanley and Roland for being their authentic selves on this call, quite frankly, to share their understandings, their learnings and their knowledge on how our industry can do things better. Okay, perfect. Well, thank you guys for listening and we look forward to bringing more podcasts to you. And yeah, right now, take care wherever you are, anywhere in the world. Have a good day. And yeah. Thank, Thank you. you for your time. Thank you, bro. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, it's a pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to hearing your thoughts. So please continue the dialogue on socials. To stay updated on when we release the next episode, follow us on LinkedIn and on Twitter at TC4RE. And don't forget to check our website at www.tcare.org for more information and content on today's topics.